Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney over there, Steve. Hey. And uh, today we got a number of things to talk about. Uh, Jam-packed. Jam-packed. Uh, we are going to be talking about the poetry collection Demonstra by Brian Thawara. And uh, a couple weeks ago there was the big conference of weirdness. Known as Necronomicon. Uh, I guess it was weird. Uh, well, there were some weirdos there, and Steve stayed away from most of them. I was I was ninety nine percent successful. Ninety nine percent. It just happens to be the weirdos. The one percent of weirdos are our friends. All right. So as usual in Necronomicon years. Uh, we're getting a recap. Um, since I wasn't there, we're getting it all from Steve. So, hit it, Steve. Um, so, I went down there thinking this is going to be the last time I do this bullshit. <laughs> because it's the same people doing the same crap, celebrating the same shit all the time. It really doesn't feel like anything is moves forward do you know what i'm saying yes but that being said this i probably had the most fun i've had at a necronomicon in the past few years that i've been going and i think it's because i just like i didn't go there having to run a game mm-hmm. Right, so I purposefully was like, I'm not going to do this this year. It's a it's a hassle. I'm going to play in a couple of games, but I'm certainly not going to like deal with with running them. Right. I only hung out with people that I know and wanted to see. Okay. For the most part, you know, I mean, there's incidentals, but you know. Right. Right. I, I hung out with people I wanted to hang out with. I wasn't bamboozled or whatever into hanging out with jerks. I ignored all but like one or two of the panels and events that were going on. Right. Um, And I ended up uh, running a pickup game of Traveler late at night there that ran over the course of two nights and uh, played with a bunch of great people met the subject of today's um, show, uh, Brian Wara, who played with us, and it was great. (laughs) 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 We we had a great time doing this. Um, And really, that's what it's all about, right? Having a good time with your friends. That's what I ended up having, which is what, what I wanted. So I'll probably go back. Now, the funny thing was we're, we're sitting the first night we played Traveler, we did it upstairs in the gaming area. Right. And we did it for like two and a half hours and it was fun. Everybody wanted to continue, which is great because I'm always paranoid about like my abilities as a, as a GM and it was great. Everybody wanted to continue. But the next night, well, first off, Brian shows up and Nick waves him down. Apparently, Nick had met him a couple of times, right? Right. He was like, hey, you want to play Traveler with us? And he was like, oh, I haven't played Traveler in so long. Sure. Right. So that's how we met Brian. Um, I didn't know who Brian was. Come to find out when I'm trying to organize organize the following game that he was one of the guests of honor. (laughs) He was the poet laureate of... um, of the con, which is why I had this idea that maybe we should read some of his poetry. Right. So he has to do things. Like, he can't just fuck around at the con, right? He has obligations. Appearances so, to put in. Exactly. So working around uh, Brian's obligations and everything, you know, he has to appear at the ball. He has to read poetry, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we decided to like meet up at like 10 o'clock at night in the hotel in front of the bar. Not in the bar, but in front of the bar. There's this little nook. Because the gaming section 
is hosting the ball. Right. So that's what we end up doing. Every drunk, weird fiction writer that I've ever met in my entire life stopped by blaringly at us. Cut that. (laughs) Drunkingly (laughs) looked at us and was like, what are you doing? Oh, we're playing Traveler. I haven't played Traveler since the 80s. That's cool. And then, like, fucked off. <laughs> so, so not only did we get to, to play this game that, that I love, and it was horror-themed. We were playing a horror-themed um, adventure. Right. Um, but, like, we got to see, like, JT, Peter Rollick, all these guys who's, who, like, you know, are at the con for the purpose of it being a con, stop by and think we're we're pretty fucking cool doing what we're doing. So that's fun. And and it, the great thing is the people who played were uh, Molly from from the show, right? The show, yep. Molly Gallagher, Nick from the show, Nick Nicario, Brian. I had mentioned Brian Courtmanch from uh, previous episodes from around of the here. show. Right from around here, he writes for Call of Cthulhu and stuff. That was our core. Oh, and um, and Sean, who has been on the show as well, Molly's friend Sean, Mister Shoot at the Floor, Sean. Uh, he was playing, and then <laughs> Brian. The second night, Brian C, mm-hmm. not Brian Wara, um, had been playing uh, Pirate Borg all day, right, um, and hanging out with the guy who wrote Pirate Borg, who was dressed like a pirate. Well, of course. Who came, who came with him. Um, and was, and Brian, I guess Brian was like, oh, I got to play in this Traveler game. Traveler? <laughs> sure I haven't played sure, that since the 80s. I'm sure they'll let you play. So so he shows up with this Pirate Borg guy, dresses as a pirate, and he goes, if, if you have a character... I'd gladly play. And we just had a, another pre-gen. And he said, just the only thing I don't want is to play another fucking pirate. And the character we had was everything. He was a pirate in everything but name. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. It was pretty funny. He was, a, he was a merchant, ex-merchant. Yeah. So good time. It was a good time. Um it's it's I finally I guess I finally figured out these things is not to be pressured into doing all these all these activities, but to just like go in and enjoy it, which is what I did. And uh, I, I had a great time. It was cool hanging out with people that I only see online right in the flesh. And you know, to be honest, it was very cool to play uh, a role playing game in person. With people who weren't uh, in high school. <laughs> of course, you are referring to the quarantines. Yes, my my. Those who listen to the show know I run Call of Cthulhu for my son and his friend. So so big fun. Uh, did you have to do anything uh, the last time? Three years uh, ago from the last one. Yeah, the last time I ran a game, I ran two games, and. You know, you get in for free if you run a certain amount of hours of games. Right. Right. But I mean, it's like it's like eight hours or something. It's crazy. It's a little, or it's more. No, it's got to be more. Anyway, it's a lot of a lot of hours of games where you end up missing most of the con anyway because you're running games. Uh, but you feel like you're working because uh, you are. You know, and people go there to like showcase their games. Like, obviously, the guy from Pirate Borg was there to like show, you know, get his game out there, have people play, and and you know, get interest right. in Pirate Borg. Um, you know, and then uh, you know, Mike Mason run runs games there, so you know, they to have the Chaosium presence there. Um, Oscar Rios, who I played in a, a, an Oscar Rios game, and it was a ton of fun. Uh, you know, to, to advertise for Golden Goblin Press and their games. So, you know, people have agendas to run these things. They want people to end up buying their games. And I have nothing to sell. 
Right. Um, except for the podcast, but that's not just no money will exchange hands. Right, right. Always free. So, you know, I just figured I didn't want to work. I wanted to like have play games and have fun. Right. Right. And that's what I ended up doing. It was a ton of fun. Now, I will say, I will say that. Hold on, hold on. The gaming was weird this year. The signups, right? Like in the past, everyone signed up through like uh, what is it called, Battlehorn or whatever. It's like a national. It's a big thing, right? That's how a lot of cons. This one was like a first come, first serve. Like you had to like buy tickets. Well, they were free, but you bought like tickets. And then you spent them on games. It was crazy. It was like, it was a big hassle to do it. And then you should be like, they sold out immediately. Like every, everything was filled. And then as people stopped playing games and stuff, um, you'd get openings and you'd be like in the middle of work, like, <laughs> and you get an email notification on your phone that, Oh, blah, blah, blah has opened up. So, you know, the, it was like buying tickets for a concert. You just had to be on top of it. Right, right. It was kind of a drag. Now, speaking of, so so those are the high points. Uh, what were the, any low points? I mean, um, nothing's gonna beat nothing's gonna beat uh, fifteen uh, for low points. But <laughs> no, uh, you know, I guess a lot of the troublemakers, so to speak, uh, just aren't bothering but i really wasn't paying attention to all that right you know so you know uh, even like the stories of who fucked what up really didn't filter down to me well i mean you so have, you have extricated yourself from social medias of course you know not right to, so i not, did, not you're not going to be privy to that right well i mean also i didn't like you said I, I didn't go in with any expectations for that because I wasn't on, you know, Facebook paying attention to it. And I'm so much better for it <laughs> because I had a great time. <laughs> you know, I wasn't looking for who's ruining the con. Right, right. Why? What happened? Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> I, I was thinking more of you know, one of the panels you attended. Nope, I attended exactly half of a panel. I walked in late. Um, it was a panel. You know, the panels are panels. You get people up there who know what they're talking about most of the time, probably uh, talking about whatever it was. And then you have people in the audience, some of whom have actual, you know, legitimate questions. And some of them just want to hear themselves speak. So, I mean, that's a panels are panels are panels are panels. There was right. nothing... I don't think there were any egregious panels. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Like, you know, women in horror fiction with no women on the panel. Right. Nothing like, I don't think anything like that happened. Um, or Cthulhu Mythos in Mesoamerica, a fan yeah. tribute. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um... Oh, I, I, you know, I got to catch m most of um, the H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society's radio play that they did, huh. which was um, Horror in the Museum. That was pretty cool right to, to, to watch them at work. And th those are literally the only two official con things that I did. I went to a panel and I watched the the um, H.P. Lovecraft Historical Society. As a matter of fact, it was after that we just we tried to go to karaoke and it wasn't happening and that's when we decided we were going to play traveler why didn't karaoke was going i don't know no one was there or we went to we went on the wrong night or something i don't know some some wow. something happened oh there you go so so the best one yet and it was actually just uh mom con yeah more or less now, speaking of uh, what people are there to do uh, in far as game, uh, um, uh -oh. a quid pro quo, as it were. I'm missing my. You were uh, you came you came away with some merch. Oh, I I did. Yeah, I, I wasn't even there, and I know. 
I, I'm I, I bought like a bunch of Call of Cthulhu shit, <clears throat> and and a stuffed thing. <clears throat> Cough. Shameless and, and, plug. Cough. Oh right, right. Uh, <laughs> Wow, I'm, yeah. leave, I'm leaving that in because that's just like that's classic. Oh yeah, uh, it's been it's been a while. Yeah, so um, I did get to hook up with Matt. Um, as I call him, Salem Matt. <laughs> Salem Matt. That's his Salem name. Matt because he hates he hates Massachusetts. Uh, yeah, I, I hooked up with Matt, who is the booster extraordinaire. He also runs Shoguth.net. Plug that. Um, for Cthulhu Eternal, which is a a a license free uh, free uh, way to play Cosmic Horror using the uh, Call of Cthulhu SRD. Ah. Uh, it's it is free free. I say, did I mention it was free? On uh, drive through, there's uh, different flavors of it. Uh, you have the Jazz Age, which is your classic uh, Cthulhu Eternal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have the Gaslight Victorian um, era, and you have the 90s slash modern era. Yes, and they're working on another one. Um, it it is basically if you like playing Call of Cthulhu, like old Call of Cthulhu before the times five stuff happened and you like resistance tables um, pick it up. It's free. We'll pop a link to it. Um, there's actually, I think there's even a adventure written specifically for uh, Cthulhu Eternal. So it, it's got everything you need to do to get up and go and play without having to drop a hundred dollars to be able to play a game. So there you go. That's, that's always, that's good. pretty cool. That's yeah, I mean, that's pretty cool. All right. Now, segue. All right. <laughs> wow. Dot, Sorry, dot, Matt. Dot. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. It's fine. You know. No. Salem Matt. That's Matt Wiseman, by the way. Right, Just... right. And, and, and additional plug, since you brought up uh, Shagath.net, is that I do have two stories. So... Ah, and speaking of Shagath.net and um, Golden Goblin Press, the terror of October Nomicon, I think I'm saying that right, is uh, came out of the printer and is being delivered. So if you did not get in on that Kickstarter, head on over to Golden Goblin Press and get yourself a copy of that. Oh, I thought it was going to be like the terror of Mecha Cthulhu. No, it's a terror of October Nomicon, oh. which is an event that Chugath.net. Uh, uh, sponsors every year. Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. All right. Well, there's our segue. Well, not really a segue, an additional plug. Now it's time for segue. And, you know, you met the Poet Laureate of Necronomicon and played some Traveler. We and, did. And you came to me two weeks ago. We're recording this episode a little bit later than normal. Not too long after uh, yes. Necronomicon it is wrapped. The, it is the Earth, Wind, and Fire month. Uh, that's right. You, you said, hey, let's uh, let's look at this. And I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I usually do. Uh, it is Demonstra. It is uh, Lao American Art and Poetry, or Art and Literature. Uh, poetry in specific. We don't usually do poetry here on Microphones of Madness. Because, because we're horrible at it. <laughs> well, not, not just that is, you know, we don't want to look like bigger idiots than we are. But Steve's yes. decided that uh, maybe we need to expand our horizons and, and, and push the limits of our idiocy. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking. It had nothing to do with how Brian was a cool guy. We should plug him. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, as an additional plug, it Hopefully it makes it to air, but Brian is in our old school adventures game with us. Yes. So somehow Nick conned Brian into playing uh, D and D with us. <laughs> right. Okay. So so yeah, we don't usually do poetry because poetry is in in my mind is like painting. <laughs> 
you know, you go into a museum and you see that you like. You're not really sure why you like them, but you kind of do. And and yes. truthfully, I think we've both made some cracks in the past about um, things that are considered high culture, quote unquote. And you know the the brushstrokes go counterclockwise, and it represents the artist's tortured past with themselves and wanting to turn back the clock. He's like, no, motherfucker was left-handed. Yes, po poetry definitely has the connotations of art more than uh, straight-up prose does. Yeah. I don't know why, but it does. Uh, I think it's it's mainly because poetry at that, that prose doesn't demand of you to think uh, because it does. Mm. But it's more, depending on the author, it's more of something that's uh, in the background. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some more, some less. I mean, and, and as a matter of fact, when you actually have to read and think at the same time, actively read what um, thinking no one told me there was going to be thinking on this test in in prose they usually call it uh poetry <laughs> so uh you get your james joyce's are definitely uh, considered more lyric your william burroughs they're, they're described as uh you know poets uh who write who use uh you know, literature as their medium. But we, we all know what they're talking about. It's just hard to read. It's so, all penises. Well, it is for, for Burroughs. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> Ta-da! Where's my literature degree? <laughs> Actually, it might be for James Joyce as well. <laughs> um, always penises. But, but poetry... For me, poetry always has this disconnect between what is being said and what I'm thinking while I'm reading it. And I really have to concentrate actively to read poetry. It's not something that comes easy to me, which is why I tend to avoid it. Mm -hmm. But as uh, Mr. Wara has little to no literature that I can find, I'm stuck with poetry. So... Without further ado. Without further ado. Adieu. Adieu. Um, oh, okay. Good night, everybody. <laughs> welcome to the Grady Grass, which actually he quotes in here. Come see the... Um, what'd you think of... of, of I, I guess that's the, the first... I guess, firstly, it's a collection of poems. Um, Brian is uh, of Laotian extractment... Um, he grew up in America, but has a huge, huge um, connection to his cultural roots. He was born in Laos. Um, and this poetry is a reflection of that experience, right? Mm -hmm. um, it is almost raw. Um, I don't want to say mixture because it's not a mixture. It's his experience, right? Right. Um, with the different influences of, of culture and uh, pop culture, uh, American, Laotian, different cultures that all come and form Brian Thaowara right. in poetry form. <laughs> <laughs> and this is why I fucking hate poetry. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically hate him laid bare on a page i guess you know his this is like his experience your mileage may vary but this is his right um you know i i can imagine that if you're if you're growing up the way he did and and you know actively seeking out cultural roots you're going to have so many different influences on your life that, that you're going to be able to um in one sentence talk about or one verse talk about pink floyd right mm -hmm. and spicy food and and uh you know maleficent spirits 
all in the same breath because that's you know his life that's what he lived mm -hmm. or lives he's still alive duh. right i'm making a botch of this oh i'll 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 stop you when thank you well i mean i mean you basically you're basically nailing it right on the head i mean that's that's the the source and pretty much you've encapsulated uh poetry for everyone there's something of the inner life of the poet spilled onto the page um and and type of form it's kind of abstract and you know we've been talking to brian in the facebook chat for a little while and um you know you you get a little bit more insight from from talking to him and his his mind is kind of all over the the references in these poems are kind of all over the plate you know where he'll hit you from some uh Folklore of Laos and uh, the Disney reference, uh, <laughs> um, or, or, right. or or something like that, and and that that's the quintessential experience. And you know, talking to him, he communicates in memes a lot. Uh, <laughs> he does. He's he is better at it than my kids, and you know, my kids grew up with that shit. Right. the The thing that that gets me the most, I guess, is that. You had actually mentioned the Mesoamerican Cthulhu mythos. <laughs> I don't know if you did that on purpose. Fuck you, Tierney. That's why I'm it's... But uh, there's definitely a number of uh, references to, to Cthulhu mythos in here. Mm. Um, I got to think that if the guy's the uh, poet laureate of Necronomicon, there would have to have be. some 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 Yogsothothery credit street cred um some tentacle you know, and, and and brian brian refers to himself as or i guess people refer to him as a speculative uh, poet um which i had to look up <laughs> what is and, a speculative poet for for those of well, us who a, don't speculative, know? a speculative poet is someone who uses science fiction fantasy and mytho mythological themes in their poetry not limited to that, but that's the kind of genre. I would say, like stuff like Fungi from Yugoth would be a speculative poem, right? Mm -hmm. The Solomon Cain um, poems, exactly. Robert E. Howard was was a fine poet, and much of his poetry was speculative. I'm making air quotes. <laughs> Not Clark Clark Ashton Smith. So there's definitely a a hearty tradition of speculative poetry that goes back to the origins of weird fiction. Right. Uh, it's just not, it's definitely the road less traveled. Mm -hmm. um, and in a way, I'm glad it's the road less traveled. And I'm not saying that because it's poetry, right? Right. I'm saying that because you don't have the glut. Right. Of pastiche and just garbage that is out there in weird fiction where everybody you know has at one point had a boutique or a small press and everyone and all their friends are invited to play you know you don't have that that balloon that happened mm -hmm. uh, you know but unfortunately it is harder to track down stuff right right but on on the other hand i mean poetry as an art form is hard as it is, you know, keeping it to a speculative area definitely is harder. Yeah. And, and let's, let's be clear. Uh, we'll call him professor Wara <laughs> right? <laughs> because he is a professor of literature, <laughs> right? He teaches classes and, and, you know, on, on poetry and, and, so it's the guy's no slouch, right? That's for sure. And that's the other thing is like this stuff is well thought out. There's like puns and wordplay that transcends languages that that's contained in this book, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just another bunch of teenagers found a book and called down something they he could not control kind of crap, right? It's it's it's. You know, it's the real deal. 
right. borders into the surreal. Yeah, I mean, abstract. it's abstract. I mean, we've gone on about how, like, some some um, weird fiction writers, you know, it could be considered to be literature, and I, I still, you know, agree with that. Um, but there's nothing could be considered about this. Mm -hmm. This um, goes beyond genre. Uh, it, it's it's you know I'm just gonna say you should go out and, and read some of this stuff. Right, right. It is um, it is of itself uh, worth worth the checkout. Yes. Yeah, so I will. If poetry is um, a thing, right. Well, we had picked out a couple of poems that we thought were good. One of which is the centerpiece, mm. which I, we'll talk about in a minute, uh, because I, I found an interesting little bit of trivia about that. Oh, okay. Um, but so just to give you an example, this is a poem called What the Guide Said. And this is one um, that I particularly liked. It's not, they're not all that long. They're a page or two. So um, I'm going to shoe copyright here and read it. Uh, because I don't really want you looking for it, I'm going to call it Foul Fee J Dam. It's not poetry, but you can tell your readers Peak of the Black Hearted Ghosts. It's up to you to decide if I'm whispering of Bokeo Hill Spirits or uh, Fon Sabin Poltergeist bumping at night. Maybe it's near the demon spirits of Fu Fa Ti, but for your safety, I recommend you leave it be. Maybe you can give it a dull name like K2, as Americans are so wont to do. That mountain will still be here long after you're gone. Call it what you will. There you might find Nubile Nyakini dancing the true Fon Yak to the indecent tune plucking horrible fruit forbidden for humans, adorned in putrid garlands of despair and folly, wearing a hungry sing fashioned from a vain human's hair and skin. If no one's watching, you can pilfer rare variations of the midnight horror uh, or roxalum indicium to replace crimson neck tongue beads you need for a brew of immortality with a memorial stench of obscene pre-diluvian milk infused with scales of the drowned and beautiful eyes. But be precise in your measures or everything simply comes to suffering again. If they catch you, they'll press your skull easily as a cold olive for a pitiless vin vinaigrette. Sorry. He chuckles, old smoke-made man, if you absolutely insist on seeking you might get your perilous bearings looking for the snaggletooth outskirts of mong fi lao and her profane pillars of devoured yesterday's wailing of severed roads he pedals away with a cryptic wink hair slick as a corpse ink shot from the never again never seen again bar high above a stray cosmic hound's maw widens foaming with nameless stars and that Can you was just... Steve Rosenstein. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry for like butchering the pronunciation of every word that wasn't in English and a few that were. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you were you were about to say something before I interrupted. You oh, I was just going to say like there's just two pages of of verse and you get so much comes at you you know i mean you could see i could see myself as like an idiot tourist you know going how do i get to blah 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 mountain and some some guy going oh here comes another one filthy american <laughs> scum <laughs> look look dude you really don't want to do this but if you do and then rattles off a bunch of reasons like why you shouldn't anyway right Right, it's, it's it's the old sheriff in the horror movie, like you don't want to go down that road that leads to the cabin. If he'd gone the other way, were... you would have gone straight to that castle. Right, but if you were to go to that cabin, you should know that a witch slaughtered her family there, and they still linger around. And they'll eat you. 
Right. Press your head like a fucking olive. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's great. The, the another one that we I'm not going to read all the ones that we've decided to. Uh, well, yeah, the Dream Highway <laughs> is quite long and yeah, episode um, length poem. <laughs> but 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 a lot of these um, have that synthesis of of. of I don't even want to say East meets West because it's not even that. Uh, and that's played out comparison anyway. Well, well, that implies, here's the thing, that implies that there's an other involved. And there's no nothing in this collection of poetry um, screams other. And it, it's all, you know, it, it's all a perspective and nothing is other. Right, it's all accepted. Right. So it's it, the it's melting not, pot of fans. Exactly. It, it's you know, it's an indi- it's an individual's perspective who exists within a variety of influences. Yes. If that makes any sense. Now, you mentioned the big one. The biggin. The centerpiece. Yeah, the, dream, the dream highway of Miss Menevanska, which is really big. It's um yeah, it's like 30 pages long. Yeah, it's 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 an epic. Twenty-seven stanzas of dreamscapes or verses, and different or yeah, verses of dreamscapes in, in different uh cities and um, you, you, talking about the uh, Laotian diaspora experience in America. Um, well, well worth reading. It's kind of on the road for mystics. <laughs> yeah, it definitely has that vibe to it. Now, here's the thing. So I was like trying to look up exactly um, what Menavangsa means because you know Poetry. I want to do that and I did not find that but I did find a blog post where um, Professor Wara talks about how he has created a choose your own adventure game using the text of that poem and some other related poems mm-hmm. um, from Demonstra using a t- Twine software. Ah, yes, I'm quite which familiar I with believe Twine. you're you're familiar with. Yes. So we are going to put the link to that in the uh, in the notes, so y'all can go on and choose your own adventure in the. American Laotian Dreamlands. That's right. Ride that highway all night long. <laughs> but it's now it's funny because he that that he mentions tons of different places, several of which I've lived in. Uh, and he he really deftly combines um, pop culture, American pop culture references to his experience um, with with the the Laotian communities in these different places, the, you know, the non, the non Laotian, um, other immigrant groups or native groups that, that live there, like particularly the new Orleans one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, he talks about new Orleans from that perspective, Madison, Wisconsin, Detroit, um, New York city, Philadelphia, just like Chicago, um, and it's you unique. You feel if you've been to these places, it definitely you get the feel that that's where you are, but from a different perspective. Right. And and of all places mentioned, and it's a city that you never hear fucking mentioned, Modesto, California. <laughs> that must. Unless you're from Modesto, right? But I mean, you know, it's like of the of the you know a, a lot of well, Madison, Wisconsin, really romantic. Hey, hey! Uh, 
you know, fucking you, cheese. You watch your filthy tongue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but a lot Otis of... Otis Redding died for your sins there. Because somebody couldn't fucking fly. The pilot. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure it was probably his tour pilot. Um, you know, but, but a lot of the cities, there's, you know, there's a mixture of of romanticized New Orleans, the home of vampire and les allées bon temps roulé. Um, and then we and have those, Philadelphia. Uh, donuts. Those donuts that Harley Quinn wanted. I don't remember her mention beignets. Oh, yeah, the episode was Swamp Thing. Ah. It's all about beignets. Oh, oh, oh. See, I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Well, spoiler alert, there's a lot of donuts happening. Uh, I, 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 know, uh, I know Johnny Boy is in that arc. In drinking contests with Poison Ivy. Anyway. Yeah, but you get this mixture of, of romanticized places and mm, I, I guess you could say mundane places. You know, the exciting tourist spots of America... Modesto, California, and Madison, Wisconsin are not. Uh, Madison, Wisconsin is kind of a fun place. It might be kind of fun for for the residents to and live it's, there. It's got it's got a hotel in the in the uh, arboretum that apparently eats people. So, oh well, fantastic place to go visit then, if you want to live a Call of Cthulhu adventure. Yeah, I think I think this one, uh, being the centerpiece, of course, you know, is the one where where Brian, because you know, you can call him Professor. To us, he's Brian. Well, I'm just going to be respectful. <laughs> Mister Thawar, uh, kind of this one. This one is the the the, the bleeding it out on the. Not necessarily, you know, entirely emotion, but this is the one I felt where, you know, you had the most like the 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 mania of the creative impulse right here encapsulated. Well, I mean, it's it's funny that you mentioned like you know, it, there's definitely that juxtaposition of the um, the romanticized versions of a place and the mundane, but isn't that what draws you to a place to just to begin with? Like I've lived in a number of places, mm-hmm. right? And the places that I miss the most are the ones that have like some sort of um, romanticized feel to them, whether that's nostalgia or, you know, the history of the city itself. Right. Right. Like what exactly is idealized about elegant city absolutely nothing but because i grew up there mm-hmm. you know it does have nostalgic value for me so yeah. it's, a, it's a significant place so modesto california maybe brian lived there maybe it has significance to him so he gets to elevate it um so that it is romanticized and you know Every place has mundane things. I can't think of a place more like that than New York City, right? <laughs> right. New York City is is the the shining city on the hill. It yeah, is, I mean, you know, it's City Gondor. Is, it is romanticized one hundred percent. You know, from every angle, from music, from film, from literature, from everything. Mm-hmm. And if you live there, it just smells like urine. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I so, mean, okay. Yeah. There, there is, there is a a something to see. romanticizing. It's catching. <laughs> it's catching. <laughs> oh, look! I just summoned Narlathotep. <laughs> um. Romanticizing a, a or an ideal of a place being there, for example, uh, going to a literary festival for one Howard Phillips Lovecraft and playing Traveler in front of a bar, <laughs> which right. which you have which you have the actual real experience that you are going to take with you 
for the rest of your days, right? Because it was good times had by all. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. You know, it juxtaposed with this kind of like hoity-toity um, place that really participating in that activity wasn't your your uh, well your your intention or your your goal. We have the the fun part. Right. No, no, I definitely, definitely agree with you on that. And, but, and, and that also ties into a romanticized city. Be- well, it's Providence. Right. It's romanticized for RISD students and H.P. Lovecraft. Fans. Right. Old Heezy Peasy <laughs> loved that city so much, he decided that he was that city. Yes. But on a, on a similar note, isn't mythology, like especially in the modern world, right? Mm. Isn't mythology kind of a romanticization of the past? That that wanting to grasp onto like something uh, that has deep cultural roots. That you know, no one believes in Medusa, right? Right. You know, people don't believe. Well, some people do believe in yokai, but you know what I'm saying. Like your right. your rational brain, you know, I won't say rejects, but you know, you know better. Well, I mean, but you have... there's part of you that wants to, mm-hmm. and and w- whether or not these things are real or not, mm-hmm. they're still a part of that collective cultural unconsciousness that you romanticize, that you idealize when you look to your past mm-hmm. or, or the, you know, your roots. Right. Well, there's the aspect of looking to your roots, but, but I think a lot of the romanticizing of, of things like mythology and folklore is it's simpler. The object lessons are much less messy. Uh, the good guys are the good guys. The bad guys are the bad guys. Except when the gods are actually the bad guys, and and the the bad guys are actually the good guys. But it doesn't matter. The it doesn't matter who they're they're. You know, it's it's one of those things. It's it's a simpler thing. It kind of harkens back to a golden age or purer, I suppose. You know, right. Your the collective unconsciousness of right. your cultural past. Right. Right, and and a lot of the themes are are pretty universal, and I think that's one of the things about uh, Brian, you, uh, both his Lao and American heritage, cultural heritages blended together, because that shows universality of. Did you just drop a mic or something? Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And speaking of simpler, more gentler times, uh, there there was one final P was on our list. Ah, uh, uh, no, it wasn't Ah. Uh. No, I, I'm. I just want to get the name right. The last war poem. Right. And I know you had the book there. That's why I kind of was kind of prodding you to. Um, yeah, I can read this one too. It's very short. Well, okay, if if you want to read it, but uh, let's talk about it a little we'll, bit, and then we'll we take can... you out, and then we'll we'll take you out on the poem. That's right. There we go. That's perfect. All right. So, um, yeah, where where the dream highway insanity and and cultural uh, bled onto the, uh, this one is pain. Put simple. Yeah, pain. It's, it's pain, pain and pressure, pressure to conform to what other people expect of you as well. In this particular case, as a Laotian American writer, right? Uh, there are certain topics. It seems to me that that he's saying there are certain topics that you have to have an opinion in writing, mm-hmm. and. Uh, the war being one of them right. because uh, um, that was a significant historical event in, in, uh, in seventies Laotian history. Right. Yep. Um, but is it necessarily a topic that the poet themselves 
wants to address or again address again and again and over and over and you know at some point you just have to say yes it happened but just let it go poof let it go and i think we touched on this spec fic from the african diet having to have the message yes and it's very similar why why do the war what i really want to do but right. you know why why do i have to talk about these monsters right there's so many more topics that are worth telling than reminding people of the war and <laughs> and it is the 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 word the language of the poem is kind of a back and forth um with with you know the the good arguments being made for and against yes with it being to spoil it you know the climax of the last but i'm going to read it but right. uh yep so we're gonna bring you out with uh steve rosenstein um, all right and uh, uh give me give me a little one four five on the with the brushes on the drums uh yeah you're talking to the wrong <laughs> motherfucker <laughs> Right. Uh, this is the last war. Poem. Right. And uh, so, yep, we're going to lead you out on this. So, um, until next time. Balls. Um, Steve Rosenstein reads <laughs> Brian Thalwara. I tell you, this is the last word for this war. This little side war that we were the center of. There's no justice from poetry. Any veteran can tell you that. They want their land, their lives, their livestock back. Grenade fishing in the aftermath of Fao Fa Tea has lost its novelty. To the man with a bullet fragment rattling in his body, slowly tearing him apart. Right, they tell me. Right what? We lost. We were forgotten. We are ghosts. We are victims of fat tigers and foreign policy. There is no Valhalla, only memories of Spectre gunships. There is no Elysium, only pleas for asylum. This jungle was filthy. There was shit. There was blood. There were refugees who to this day cannot explain why they were the enemy when the war came. Their sons fought. Their brothers died. Their uncles maimed or hauled, screaming into the shadows of the plain of jars. Right, they tell me. So people won't forget. So someone will know. Lift the broken bodies with my words. Bring them out and say, we did not die in vain. For every bullet hole, let there be a word to stand as a monument. For every lost limb, let there be a sonnet to stitch the truth back together. For every eye gone blind, let there be something to take its place. Something, anything. How can you not have words for the war of whispers? How could you not shout now that the whispering is done? And I swear, each time I break this promise that the next time, will be the last word I write about this damn war.